I got called this morning to the doctor to get my pneumonia and shingles vaccinations. And she said, it might make you feel a bit rough. She was right. I'm not feeling great tonight, so forgive me if we're a little briefer than we normally are. That's probably a good thing. Um, but we'll trust the Lord will help us as we go through. Also, we're going to conclude my studies in the Christian Soldier tonight. I kind of made a bit of a meal of it, I know. But we're going to bring it to a close tonight with a, a little quick look, a little sketch through Ephesians chapter 6, the picture of the spiritual armour of the Christian. And so we'll read in um, Ephesians chapter number 6 tonight. We'll read through the scripture together <clears throat> before I make any comment. And then we'll just go through one or two little basic things about it. Ephesians chapter 6, the verses on the screen are from the ESV. I'll be reading from my author, what they call the authorised version, the King James Version. It's essentially very much the same, just there'll be a few slight differences in the vocabulary. So we'll begin at verse number 10. Paul, as he's approaching the end of these what we've got is six chapters as approaches the end of his letter says, Finally, my brethren, which means there's some big stuff coming. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the, the devil. That's his... his um, his plans, his manipulations, it's a, a kind of psychological thing. You know how he's, he's manipulating our mind and our thinking. You stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high or in heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand ye therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. That will do us for the reading tonight. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for preparing our hearts as thy spirit works in us to receive your word. Thank you, Lord, for pictures and instructions that are put in a way that are easy for us to understand. And we pray as we just think of these verses tonight and think of the need for us to be equipped to serve thee in a very real and special way that you'll give us help from your spirit to understand your word. So we just commit ourselves to thee in the Lord's name. Amen. It would be my intention, folks, to speak about this section in Ephesians 6 about the armour of God. We're really concluding our thoughts about the Christians, the picture of the Christian as a soldier, 
when we're battling against, as we've read here, not flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness, spiritual. And our engagement in conflict as Christians is not so much physically with a world and, and, and to, to, to battle for land and, uh, and power, but our battle is with the, the enemy, the, the devil, who works in a spiritual way to try and annul our spiritual power and reduce our spiritual effectiveness. And so it's not insignificant that Paul puts this whole idea of a battle and a, a, a wrestling right towards the end of his book. You, you really need to see it in its proper context. The, the New Testament kind of principle of teaching is always you get teaching first and application second. You have to know what you are and who you are and why you are before you know what you have to do and why you have to do it. And so Ephesians is actually the classical example of this. And I mean, Ephesians would be the kind of one of those high mountain peaks of, of, of teaching in our New Testament. For the first three, three sections, Paul really talks about the, the wealth that we have as Christians, what God has done for us as Christians. He talks about us being chosen in him before the foundation of the world. He talks about the, the grace of God that's extended towards us. He talks about the riches that are given us in Christ. And he talks about all the wonderful things that God has done for us because he saved us. We did nothing. And when we come to chapter 2, he talks about the fact that this wealth and wonderful doctrine that he's given us has got nothing to really do with us. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then he goes on in chapter 2 and chapter 3 to, to kind of expand on the, the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ and he talks about us being now made one new man. How once as Gentiles we were outside God's blessing, but now we're inside God's blessing. And it's just a wonderful thing. And when you get to the end, to the end of chapter th 3, his thoughts about what Christ has done for us and what God has done for us in Christ and who we are and what we've got spiritually, it just kind of bursts out. And he finishes chapter 3 with this, what's called a doxology. A doxology is an expression of praise. And he finishes that when he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. And he just thinks about the wealth, thinks about the doctrine and the teaching of this wealth that we are in Christ. And he just can't help but praise the Lord. And then at the beginning of chapter 4, you get a therefore. In other words, because you know this, this is what should happen. Christianity is not just getting a, a new set of rules put in your hand. You know, as a, as a non-Christian, you had this set of rules to live by, and now this, as a Christian, this is your set of rules to live by. It's not just picking between the two menus, you know, where you have the a la carte, or where you have the table d'hote, you know. It's not a, this is the non-Christian menu, this is the Christian menu. It's because God has made us so wonderfully rich in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore certain things happen. There's an outflow of it. It just comes. It's not that you have to pick and choose. It's just because of this, therefore this happens. And he says, not wealth this time. He's talking about walk. He says, walk worthy of the calling wherewith you're called. In other words, make sure that your life is consistent 
with what God has done for you in Christ. In other words, make sure, because God has made you a Christian, make sure you're living as a Christian. Make sure that your life is recognised as a, as a Christian life. And he says, walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. And then he, he goes on and he uses that expression, walk a few times down through the next few chapters. And walk in love, walk in the spirit, walk in all that sort of thing. And walk is, folks, it's, it's just the most... It's just the most natural, I nearly said easy, but it's just the most natural kind of form of, of human activity, isn't it? You just walk every day, don't you? And, and you probably do it automatically without even thinking. You just get up and walk from the armchair to the kitchen to get your tea. You know, unless you've got a servant that you can click your fingers with and can make the tea for you, like we've got in our house. But you know, you know what I mean? You just, you just walk. You just walk, don't you? You just, you just get up and you walk. And walking's natural and walking's steady and walking's consistent. And, and it's just the most natural thing to do to progress. You just walk, don't you? And Paul's saying, as a Christian, there are certain things that should be automatic, progressive, natural in that sense. They should just happen. Walk in love. And he goes down through this next chapter, and you'll see all sorts of practical things that, 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 that he talks. Don't walk the way the Gentiles walk. In other words, your walk should be quite different from the walk of everybody else. Not because you've just got another set of rules. You just are living in the enjoyment of what God has done and Christ has done, and it just changes the way you, you walk. And then you get things like, you know, the very practical sections about, you know, wives and husbands and, and, and filling with the spirit, walk as children of light, walk carefully. And, and then you get this whole section about wives and husbands and children and, and servants and masters and, and you just walk as a Christian. It's just a life that's lived. And Christianity is not a name that's taken it's a life that's lived isn't it really that's that's the point the point is there's no point in just saying i am a christian if your walk is not consistent with the profession that you make and consistent with what god has done for us and and the thing is this that second section is not so much doctrine it's more to do with duty isn't it it's more to do with duty but a christian walk is not a stroll in the park Folks, is it? It's not a stroll in the park. It's tough going to walk as a Christian walks in a world that's totally non-Christian. You know, if I was going to, I don't know, if I was going to walk from my house to Aldi, it's no big deal. No big deal. Walk to Aldi, pick up a few bars of chocolate and come back, and it's no big deal. But if you were to go, we meet a old guy in Scotland and then know that 96 miles further north was Fort William and you were to walk on the West Highland Way, right? That's hardly a stroll, folks. It's actually 96 miles of really, really tough going. It's beautiful. And when you get to Fort William, it's very worthwhile. I mean, everything in Scotland's worthwhile, but you, you know what I mean. It's, you know, it's tough going. It's uphill. It's, it's difficult. Sometimes the weather's not good. And it's not a stroll in the park. If you're going to go to walk the West Highland Way, it's not a stroll in the park. And we always did it in five days, which made it even more difficult. But the Christian life is not a walk in the park. It's not a stroll. It's more like travelling the West Highland Way, isn't it? 
we come across obstacles and we come across difficulties and we come across conditions that are not in keeping with it. And very often the Christian, to change the picture, if you like, to change the metaphor, instead of walking, we'll change it to swimming. Often it's the Christian that is swimming against the tide. Isn't that right? The tide of the world and its ways is going in one direction. And because you're a Christian, you, you, your talk is different and your 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 desires are different and your activities are different and it, it just goes in a different direction doesn't it and what happens then is you come across difficulty and conflict and so when Paul starts to do this whole section about walking he says right at the end finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and the power of his might he's really saying you know to walk a Christian walk you can't do it in your own strength we don't have the strength to walk as a Christian should walk. It's a, it's a supernatural life. It's a spiritual life. It's a different life. And it's a life that takes us against the tide of the world. And he says, so, be strong. How? In the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, if you're going to live a Christian life the way God wants you to live it, you can't do it just by gritting your teeth setting your jaw and being determined to do it. You can't do it because it's just too much for you. The world is just too much opposed to you. And so the next little section right at the end is not wealth, it's not walking, it's about warfare. It's about warfare. And if it's not doctrine and duty, now it's discord. By virtue of the fact you live a godly life, it brings you into conflict with the world in which we're living in, doesn't it? And we know the enemies, we talked about the enemies that are against the Christian. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil. But, but in this particular section, it's got to do with battling against the devil, the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, with the, the, the opposition of the enemy. And we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. We can't get up in the morning and just say, okay, today I'm going to live a better Christian life in my own strength. The Lord says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the armour of God. No, he doesn't say that. He says put on the whole armour of God. And that word whole armour is one word. It's called the panoply of God. The panoply of God. Because God doesn't give partial protection and partial provision. God never has made insufficient, given us insufficient resources for the life that we've got to live. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we get up in the morning, I think we said it the last time, there are imperatives, absolute imperatives, about the Christian life. And this is one of them. Put on the whole armour of God. It's an imperative and it's a constant. Because we need to think, we'll see it in a minute, but we need to think about the Christian as a soldier in the first century. Not as a soldier in the 21st century. Because the soldier in the first century was equipped a different way, but and, and it was, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Do you know what that means? That's hand-to-hand close contact combat, isn't it? It's not drones with people sitting somewhere in America flying by remote control. It's not that. It's face-to-face, day-to-day, close contact, hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. 
And that's the picture of the Christian life. We're not remote. We live every single day as practical Christians in a practical world facing practical problems, don't we? Every single day we face the flesh, we face the world, and we face the devil. This is not some remote control theoretical guy sitting miles away from the, the, the action just doing the bits and pieces. It's, this is us face to face, hand to hand. And so the armour of God is, well, we'll see. you can see the components there. It's complete armour. Put on the whole armour of God. But what it is is, it's not a ceremonial uniform. It's a combat uniform. Okay? It's not equipment for a dress occasion. It's an equipment for a battlefield occasion. One of the things I really love, and Janet and I love it, is, you know, at the Remembrance in November, they do the Royal British Legion Festival of Remembrance in the Albert Hall, and we love to watch it on a, on a Saturday night. It's quite magnificent, really, if, if, and it's quite sentimental at times as well, and if you've ever had MD lost, it, it can be quite emotional. But you know how they turn out, don't you? They turn out in their ceremonial uniforms, don't they? The, 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 band, of the, the band of the Royal Marines with their white helmets and their, and their black jackets. And if ever you watch the, is it the changing of the guard? Not the changing of the guard, what we're trying to think about. Uh, the trooping of the colour. The trooping of the colour at, 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 you know, Horse Guards Parade. If you see that, is that, an, I nearly said the Queen's official birthday, but it must be the King's official birthday now. Does the King's official birthday on the same day as the Queen's official birthday? I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, there you are. That just popped into my head. Sorry about that. But you know what the change, you know what the trooping of the colour is like? The Coldstream Guards, the Scots Guards, the Irish Guards, they turn out in their, their red tunics and their big bearskin hats because they're wearing a ceremonial uniform for a ceremonial occasion. When the Lord, when Paul speaks to us about living a Christian life, the equipment and the uniform he's going to give us is not a ceremonial uniform for ceremonial occasions. It's a practical uniform for combat occasions. It's an action. It's a for action. The great sadness is, folks, is there are ceremonial Christians, aren't there? There are ceremonial Christians who put their Christian ceremonial uniform on at certain times. Isn't that right? But they just kind of, it's kind of a dress up. I don't mean physical dress. I mean, a, you know, they, 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 they have their Christian identity that they wear at certain times for certain occasions, ceremonial. But then the rest of the time, it's all just put to the side. This is not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about a day-to-day, minute-by-minute, living in the good of what God has given for us to live a practical Christian life of victory. That's what he's doing. And you'll notice some things about these things. You'll notice that everything's provided. It doesn't have to be sourced. It doesn't have to be invented. It doesn't have to be modified. You don't have to worry about if enough's going to be provided. God, Paul says, put on the whole armour of God. Ukraine are getting themselves on a twist because Biden's not got control over the House of Representatives and so there's no money coming from the, U- the US to Ukraine for further equipment. Isn't that right? And they're getting worried, are they going to have enough this? Are they going to have enough that? Are they going to have enough this? And they're all worried about the equipment and the, and the resources coming from the states. The Christian has no need to worry about those things. 
There's no need to go into a day worrying about whether God will provide what we need because he says, here it is, I've got it for you. Your responsibility is to make use of the resources that I've given to you. And so we discover this, that the equipment is not only provided uh, and, it's, we don't, and we don't have to invent it. Every part of the equipment is spiritual rather than physical. Do, do you see that? When we read it, you know, you, you read it down. It talks about the, you know the 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 the, um, the whole armor of God. The loins get about with truth, breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And all these components are not physical things; they're spiritual things. Why is that, folks? Well, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. The most important component of our life is our spiritual life. Now the other parts of our life are important. Our physical life and our emotional life and our um, psychological life and actually the more you think about it the more uh, connected they are. But the priority in our life is to be spiritually healthy and equipped. And Paul's saying listen if you're going to live for the Lord if you're going to enjoy what he's given you if you're going to walk a Christian life and be a good servant a good master a good student a good uh, um, child a good husband a good wife if you're going to be filled with the spirit here's what you've got to do you've got to make use of the spiritual resources that God has given you you've got to prioritize your spiritual life isn't that right? You've got to make your spiritual health and your spiritual wealth and your spiritual life and your spiritual progress, you've got to make that top of the tree when it comes to your life. It's got to be the be-all and end-all. That does not mean the other parts of your life are not important, folks. It doesn't mean that. Listen to this. And John says this in John 3. I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health. Right, okay? So... It's important that we pray for each other's health. It's good to be healthy, isn't it? Good to be free from sickness. But he says, I pray that you might be in prosper in health even as your soul prospers. And what he's saying is, I hope you'll be physically healthy, but I'm hoping that you'll be as physically healthy as you are spiritually healthy. Now, now folks, that's a big challenge to me. If I was physically, as physically healthy as I was spiritually healthy, I probably wouldn't just be feeling tired and sore arms tonight. I'd probably not even have enough to, to stand. But can you see what I'm saying? You have to make your spiritual life the priority. Why? Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. The things that are seen are what? Temporal. The things that are not seen, they are eternal. Our spiritual life, our spiritual health, our spiritual progress, our spiritual battles have got to be the be-all and end-all of our life. Spiritual things have got to be the number one priority in our life. And that's what he's saying. So here's what we're going to say. <laughs> there are some people I know who lounge about all day in their pyjamas. Right, okay? Have you, have you seen that? I'm going to have a pyjama day today. I've never quite understood that. But... There's no sense in which a Christian can have a pyjama day. Right? Okay? You can never be off duty as a Christian. You can't have a pyjama day as a Christian. Stand therefore having your loins girt with the, 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 with, about with truth. And, and these, are not, these are not just optional extras in the Christian life. This is a, an imperative command to be in, 
employed every single day. We can never be off duty as a Christian. We can never say, well, this is my Christian life and this is the rest of my life. We're always Christians. And we're always in the face of the enemy. So here's what he says. Let's just just go down through them and look at them very, very quickly. Stand there for having your loins girt with truth. The modern kind of expression is having the belt of truth wrapped round about you. And the idea was this, that it was... The belt was the way that these modern soldiers, or those ancient soldiers would hitch up their loose garments and they would tie them in their belt so as they would remove any encumbrance in their life and so that they could make progress without tripping up. They would just be basically removing all the hindrances and just getting ready to, be, to go. And how did they do that? With truth. With truth. What are we talking about with truth? We're talking about the word of God aren't we we're talking about using the Bible to bring into our life and examine our life so is there anything in our life that would be an encumbrance or an obstacle or a weight or a, a, a hindrance we're just going to hitch it up and get rid of it out of the way we're just going to put it out of the way with truth we're going to use truth to get rid of all the obstacles in our life isn't that right here's another one Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12 says, it says, Lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. In other words, get rid of all the encumbrances of your Christian life. Now, you could turn up at the Olympic Games to do the 100 metres and there would be no law against you running that 100 metres in an overcoat and Wellington boots. None at all. None at all. Right? I don't think there's any specifications. You could turn up to do the 100 metres and wear a great coat and Wellington boots and the way you could go. But you wouldn't get very far and you wouldn't get very fast, would you? Why? They might be not illegal, but what they are is they're an obstacle and an encumbrance, aren't they? There's something that holds you back. Paul's saying, listen, the Bible will tell us not just the, the sinful things in their life, it'll point out the things that are actually going to be an obstacle to our Christian life. And brothers and sisters, there might be things that are not prohibited in the Bible, but they might actually be a, a hindrance to our spiritual progress. They might be a, a, an obstacle to us enjoying spiritual things or engaging in spiritual activity. And Paul says, listen, that's the first thing you need to do. Get rid of the obstacles. Get rid of the encumbrances. Hitch up the things with the belt of truth. And the only way you do that is saturate yourself in the word of God. Saturate yourself in the word of God. There's times when I've been involved in things. I could tell you stories now. and Without even thinking about it, God's brought something from the Bible to my mind that's either chastised me or instructed me in a particular situation because the truth has exposed and removed the encumbrance. We, we go, go, just let's jog down them quickly. Look at this. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, first of all, the, the belt of truth. Second, secondly, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate covers the chest. What is it protecting? What is it protecting? Protecting your heart, isn't it? Protecting your heart. The book of the Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. Your heart. I don't mean your physical heart, but what protects your heart? The understanding of the righteousness we have in Christ. That God has made us something 
special for him that we've been made righteous in his sight for out of the heart proceeds isn't that right out of the heart proceeds and what Christians do is just a product of what Christians are in their heart isn't that right it's what's in that comes out it's the, the desires that are seen. It's the cravings that are manifest. It's the, and the Paul says, listen, you know, keep righteousness as the thing that guards your heart. Keep the knowledge of the righteousness in Christ and keep the knowledge of the righteous requirements that God has for you. Keep those things as the things that will guard your heart and your desires. And he says this. We won't get time to look at them all. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A friend of mine's right now is in the Falkland Islands. And he's just been in a prison in the Falkland Islands. I was astonished to find that there was a prison in the Falkland Islands. But if, you, if you're old enough to remember the Falklands conflict, remember all that, the, one of the great uh, aspects of the Falklands conflict was what they called yomping. I don't know if you remember Yompin. The, 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 all, the, all the marines and the soldiers were deposited at one side of the island and they made their way over to the other side of the island. And one of the great hindrances they had was foot rot. Foot rot. You know, if their feet got cold or their feet got wet. And it's very important that soldiers keep their feet healthy. In the Vietnam War, Again, now I'm showing how old I am. The Viet Cong developed these special traps for putting spikes into the feet of the soldiers. Because they knew once the feet of the soldiers were injured, that was them. The soldier was totally disabled. And it was the same in the Falklands. When they got foot rot, they couldn't progress. When, when they, in Vietnam, when their foot was injured, they couldn't progress. And Paul says, listen, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of praise? What keeps us healthy, folks? What keeps us progressing? The gospel keeps us progressing, doesn't it? We must never forget the gospel. And some of us can say, well, I'm a Christian now. The gospel's for other people. No, absolutely not. The, Christ, the gospel's for us. The gospel is for us. It's not just for us to thrill us and encourage us and remind us. It's for us to be empowered and make progress. And when we are empowered with the Lord, we must keep a healthy progress in the gospel. We must never stop being about the gospel. And I know there are people, the Bible calls evangelists, that have been given a very special gift and burden for the gospel. But you know what Paul says to Timothy? You, you, you know Timothy. Timothy's big thing was what? He was to be a pastor, wasn't he really? He was to be shepherding the flock of God. But he, Paul says to him, listen Paul, Timothy, don't, don't ever think you're too important for the gospel. Isn't that right? He says, Timothy, do the work. You're not an evangelist. You're not given a special gift to do it. But don't forget it. Do the work of an evangelist. Always be at the gospel. And that's a really important part of, I hope, what we do here at Benjamin, we won't have time to go through them all, but it's, it's really quite simple if you look at it. You know, look, above all, taking the shield of faith, where you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And, you know, what will stop the enemy getting through to our heart? Faith. Faith. Have faith in God. Without what? It is impossible to please God. Without money, it's impossible. It's, you can please God. 
without houses you can please God, but without faith it's impossible to please God. And what do we mean by that? Read Hebrews 11 when you go home and you'll discover what faith is, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not here. It's not just saying, I'm a Christian now by faith, I've trusted the Lord, that's my faith. No, a Christian life is a life of faith, isn't that right? It's a life of faith. And that's what he says, taking the shield of faith. So when the enemy comes, your faith in God is strong and you say, I will not give in and you're protected. Plus, 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 we could read the other things as well. My Bible keeps turning over and I keep losing the place, but then it says this. Um, we'll finish with this. And take the helmet of salvation. Okay? So what's the helmet protecting? Your head. Your mind. Your brain. Isn't that right? The Christian's mind is really important, folks. You can have trouble in your mind. And the devil sometimes attacks through the mind. Isn't that right? He comes into your mind and he disturbs your mind and he distresses your mind and he depresses your mind and he distracts your mind. And there's so many ways the devil can get into your mind. Do you know how the devil gets into your mind? I've thought a lot about this, folks. I really thought a lot about this. I've had trouble in that particular area of my life a lot. He comes into your mind through your senses, your five senses, your hearing, your seeing, your touching, your, 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 you know, your five, he uses your senses. He'll let you see something, or he'll let you hear something, or he'll let you smell something, or he'll let you touch something, and it, it gets into your mind, and we say, listen, put on your mind salvation, salvation. Let the Lord preserve your mind. Let the Lord preserve your mind. And how do you do that? Well, that's Philippians 4, isn't it? Whatsoever things are, Whatsoever things are, think on these things. And then the last one is this. And taking upon, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Spurgeon said, if you prick me, I will bleed Bible. That's what he said. The Bible was so much part of his life and his thinking and his, his activity that just the word of God was his first, resort when he had to say something or think of something he took the sword of the spirit which is the word of God what does the spirit use to do his work he uses the bible doesn't he that's why we're keen to preach the word that's why the emphasis is not on this speaker but on the word of God the armour of God and this armour of God is for you and for me and as tomorrow we engage again in further battles with the world and the flesh and the devil, let's take on the armour of God and be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for a picture of the soldier. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, who was that great, victorious, wonderful soldier who had daily the glory of God in his mind and worked for his glory. And we thank you for that. He never had a weakness. He never had a failure. Help us, Lord, to take on that armour that you've given us to, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, to stop depending on ourselves, to stop looking to ourselves for our desires, but look to you to, to protect our heart and form the desires that really matter. And we pray that you'll help us in the days that ahead. We're thankful for all fellowship. Thankful for a little refreshment too and we give thanks in the Lord's name. Amen.